What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode on the Burb Pod Network. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, all the way up here in the Canadian Tundra. This episode is brought to you by GoPro and the GoPro GromQuest. What's the GromQuest? Don't worry about it. I'm going to tell you about it. Step number one, go get yourself a GoPro. Step number two, film your Grom or yourself or maybe your buddy Bob or even Troy Dog. Doesn't matter. Go get that footage. Step number three, submit that footage to GromQuest. Step number four, maybe win some awesome prizes and become part of the GoPro team. Submissions to GromQuest must feature an individual under the age of 18. So Slaw Dog, you're probably out of luck, bud. Go to GoPro.com forward slash EN forward slash US forward slash awards to learn more and enter. Now, let's get to the pod. Welcome to the Verb Mono broadcast. I'm your host. Brad Gebhardt. I'm on like maybe two thirds of these things at this point, maybe a quarter at the absolute most, but we don't always get to have this guy on the podcast. In fact, this is the first time that we're having Julian Bomir, or as he's better known, Juju Bomir on the podcast. Juju, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hey, thanks for making some time for us. We're excited. We're excited to have you. Um, this is the first time that we're having you on the Bermoto Podcast Network, uh, right off the heels of your very first professional debut um, at Bud's Creek. Uh, there was a lot of sort of anticipation for you to turn pro um, this whole last year. You've had a lot of success, uh, including uh, riding extremely well uh, at all of the Supercross Futures events. Uh, you, you, we'll get into you torching a wheel uh, on LaRocco's Leap, the whole nine yards. Um, but before we go, we spin the clocks too far back. Let's just look back only a few days ago, um, making your professional debut, press day on Friday, uh, the 929. Honestly, I liked it. Like, I don't know it's a really high number, but what were your thoughts? Uh, the the bike, the gear, all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah, it was a really good weekend, honestly. Uh, we came into it just hoping to learn. Um, our biggest thing was learning this week and and really taking advantage of of the last two rounds to get us ready for next year. Um, I wasn't too happy with my qualifying, but I was placed in the B group. So that in, in the track was really deep. So that had a big part of it. And, and there's also a lot of lappers. So I wasn't too happy with my qualifying. Um, and then we had like almost Loretta style Moto 1, two 15-minute motos basically. So that was interesting. Everyone was a little confused by that. Um, and I was honestly surprised we didn't do staggered start. We started from the gate again and everyone, like we all got to pick new gates from where we were at during the moto. So like I had, I had 16th gate pick coming in, but I think I was in 13th during the moto. So I got third, I got to pick at 13th for my second gate. So I got to pick a whole new gate, which benefited me a little bit, um, which I, I found that wild that we got to pick new gates. Um, but it benefited me. So I was happy with that. And then I ran up front for a little bit in that moto. Um, and so I made a couple of mistakes and, and fell back a little bit, but moto two was much better. I think the, the longer moto helped me a little bit. And, uh, and, and that was much better. Um, I think press press day was definitely good for me because the track was way different than I thought it was going to be. I was not expecting it to be as off camber as it was. It doesn't look that bad in, in videos and on TV, but the track is very off camber and very like sideways. I feel like, 
So that was definitely a, a, a different thing for me. Uh, so it took me a minute to adapt to the track, but uh, I got it figured out by the end of press day. So I was good for, for Saturday morning. Do you think that if you would have watched the footage for Bud's Creek on an angle, you would have been more prepared for the race? Yeah, I yeah, for sure. I I watched I watched footage. I watched every moto last year, every moto the year before coming in and I was like I, I felt like I was pretty prepared. I I knew what the track was gonna be like. And I went out for press day and I was like blown away. I was like, wow, it's the, the downhills are so much steeper than they look. Everything I don't know, it was wild to me. Um when I went out for my first couple laps of press day, I was blown away by that. And then but once I got it figured out, I feel like I was pretty good. Certainly no, like uh, that's one thing. Like there's there like in this is kind of off topic, but two things that I think hurt uh, the broadcast of motocross is you don't get the sensation of the actual speeds, especially you know, like I love the drone cam, but the drone cam almost makes it look slower because it's keeping up with the riders the way it does, um, and you still don't really get the the idea of just how big these jumps are, how steep the downhills are. Um, yeah, perhaps if you're watching uh, footage of a track in the future, you might have to like lean against the wall in order to get uh, the the off camber feel to it. But um, yeah, good on you for being able to be a, a, adaptable. And uh, yeah, you got to pick a gate uh, twice in your first moto. There's not too many people who get to have that. In fact, that was the first time that a situation like that has happened since I believe it's been about ten years since uh, Washougal, Washington, with Trey Kennard breaking his femur. Yeah, I I was when we were sitting on the line, they were calling everyone's names and I was like, Oh, are they calling everyone to like stagger up? And everyone was just going back to their normal gates at first. And then people started switching gates and my mechanic Kyle came up and he goes, Everyone's switching gates. You're like whenever they call you, you're allowed to switch to whatever gates at whatever gate you want. So I took that and I was like, All right. I had the first in first start I had the first gate inside and Deegan pinched me off pretty good. So I went, All right. I went right in between uh, Deegan and Jacob on the second start. And they both had good jumps. And Deegan went Mach 10 into turn one. And I stayed pretty far inside. I checked up a little bit early, and I stayed all the way inside. And uh, I came out, I think, fourth, fifth, somewhere around there. So the, the restart definitely helped me because I started, I think, 23rd, 24th in Moto 1. So or in the, the first start of it. So I think that definitely benefited me. Yeah, there was a heat-seeking missile called uh, Danger Boy that was aimed directly at your teammate, I noticed, um, which that was a collision course that was sort of inevitable when you come into a corner that fast. You were able to capitalize. Um, like, take me through the week. Like, obviously, you probably knew you were going to turn pro probably a week or two, maybe even longer prior to actually pulling the trigger on this thing walk me through that process and then also like breaking in like a like the professional race bike um like i spoke to daxon bennick last week and he remarked just how different and of the engine package that he had at loretta's compared to what he then had the very next weekend at unadilla um what was that adjustment like for you and uh yeah like uh, take me through it a little bit yeah i uh, I got the call that I was going to race the last, the last two at, uh, I think it was maybe three or four days before Loretta's. I, I had found out that I was going to do it, so I did all the sign-up stuff and whatever. Um, and then right after Loretta's, I came home. I had Sunday and Monday off, and then I got right on the factory bike on Tuesday. 
Um, definitely, I'll, I'll say the same. Um, engine package a lot different. Um, the bike pulls way longer than than my amateur bike did. Um, the engine is, I, the engine is incredible for sure. Um, another big thing I think I noticed uh, was suspension. Um, we run a little bit different suspension from amateurs, and they run in pros. Uh, so it took me a minute to get used to that, and and I think that was something that I I struggled with a little bit during the day on Saturday was just trying to find a setting, like trying to trying to figure out what the track wanted, as well as get comfortable on on a different setup than what I had been racing on at Loretta's. Um, so I think that was was a big part of like first moto. We made a massive change from first moto to second moto uh, that that helped me a lot. So. I think that for sure was one thing um, that I noticed the most. Fair enough. So, like, I'm, like one of the things that stuck out to me when I was at Loretta's is just the pace that you and the rest of the A class is able to to hold the entire moto, like right in through the the very last lap. You bookended your um, your two fifty pro sport with a moto with moto victories unfortunately the 17th in the middle basically spelt the, the, the like the demise of your weekend essentially or your week um but you had to have been rolling out of uh, hurricane mills feeling pretty good with those two moto victories uh in pretty convincing fashion yeah for sure like like me and davy called it uh i had the best worst week at loretta's is the best because i i never won a moto there so i had uh i got two moto wins so we were happy with that uh, but the, the, the two motos, I had two bad motos that, that ruined my week. So, um, the mud definitely was a big, big factor. Everyone had to switch up pretty much everything. Uh, cause we went from, from a rough hard track to three days of straight rain, uh, in, in water. So, uh, the first one wasn't that good. I, I was riding like a, a goon and I finished 17th. Um, second one came out second gone to the lead first lap and i was gone won that one and then the third one i crashed twice i had a big one in the sand on like the third lap um so that wasn't that good so i was a little bit frustrated with that but um i came into into bud's creek knowing i had i had good raw speed um and i think one thing that i was really surprised on saturday was the pace never ends for 35 minutes and if you make one mistake there's a freight train of 10 people behind you that like when I was in fifth or sixth, um, I made a mistake behind uh, Vial and Hamaker got around me. And then I think I lost four or five more spots that same lap. Like I'd made like two, two, two more mistakes. And it was like people were coming, going by me left and right. It was insane. And even second moto, I, uh, I took a breather for like three laps. And I had another guy right back on me. So I had to pick the pace back up. Um, so I think that was something I was, I was shocked on was it is, it's wide open a hundred percent for 35 minutes where an amateur is, if say you get past, you can breathe a little bit, you don't, you have a big gap behind you. So you can breathe a little bit and then, then go for another push where in that, when in out in that, in the pros, there's no, there's no rest at all. You're going wide open for 35 minutes. Uh, so that was one thing that I had to adapt to as well. Certainly. Like, honestly, if you really look at the results from both classes and yeah, there's lots of guys who roll out of the national, not, not holding their head high. Cause honestly, they're all used to winning. Um, like every single one of these racers that, that makes an outdoor national 
when like you look through the results, these are all guys who grew up winning a, a ton or at least being in the front of the pack and whatever, like whether it was Loretta's or their local races. Um, and obviously when it comes down to it, you line them all up and, and someone's got to win. Someone's got to get 40th or somewhere along those lines. Um, but yeah, you're all professionals. Everyone's got the fitness, everyone's got the speed and uh, you're splitting hairs all the way back to the back of the pack. Yeah, for sure. So you yourself, uh, actually, like, first of all, you're making me, I'm looking at your Loretta Lynn's results right now, and you're making me feel very old in the fact that uh, your first time there was 2013, where you competed in the 51cc 4-6 to six limited class. Um, and it makes me feel old because I graduated from high school seven years before that, um, <laughs> which... <laughs> And which means I'm the same age as uh, your uh, a good friend of yours in uh, in Davy Millsap. I mean, I, I think we're both 88s, or maybe he's an 86 or 87. But either way, uh, I was actually in attendance for his very first uh, Supercross at Minneapolis, 2004. Um, but uh, yeah, like, tell me a little bit about you getting into the sport of motocross in general. Um, like, your dad must have been very interested in taking you to Loretta's, given the fact that you were going there at the age of six. Um, what was that process like? Uh, yeah, the 2013 Cobras and all that fun stuff. Yeah, give me the rundown. Uh, yeah, I got into moto when I was probably four. My dad used to always watch Supercross. He, he used to ride back in France uh, when he was younger. So when he came here and, and I was born, he used to watch Supercross on TV. And I think I was four and we were watching Supercross. And I asked, I, I convinced him to, to get me a bike. So he got me a KTM Junior Adventure, I believe, at the time. And so I got on one of those and uh, I rode that for a while. And then he got me a, a, a Cobra 50, the junior, and I rode that. And then it was funny. I went to my first, my first race was at ACP and Ryder D was there and he, he, and he lapped me and I came off the track and I thought I got second. My dad had to tell me, no, nah, you, you didn't get second. You got last. So that was pretty funny. And then uh, after that, um, I, we really started getting more and more into it. And, uh, that's when he took me to Loretta's. Um, yeah, the Cobra 50, I don't really remember much about it other than I think I raced Loretta's with like pink graphics or something. Um, okay. But, I like it. You were yeah, in the, the yeah, funny thing is I'm looking remember. at the class right now, like Casey Cochran, uh, Hayden Deegan, uh, Owen Coble's in there. He's a, he's a 125 guy right now. Jace Allred. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some talent here, man. Yeah, for sure. We definitely had a, a stacked 50 class all the way up to the, the 250s for sure. No doubt. Um, so going to the ranch, uh, like almost like an annual pilgrimage for you. Um, but for the most part, you were relatively unknown as far as like being on the radar um, when it comes to like my watching of, of amateur racing. I'm sorry to say that wasn't uh, – uh, like uh, cheering you on when you were one of the only Suzuki kids in the 85 class back in 2019. Um, but yeah, t take us through a little bit of like sort of the, the genesis of, of your amateur career. You're on KTMs, you're on Cobras, you spent a year on TMs, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, take me through it. Uh, yeah, I've always been like, I think five to 10 guy in, in all, all the way up from 65s. I had some good motos at Loretta's, but it was hit or miss. I think I got a third in a moto on a 65. Um, 
top five on 85, I think one class maybe. Um, but I rode, I rode the TM for a little bit. That was, that was, I actually liked that 85. That was a good bike. Yeah. What was that bike um, like? It was really fast, but it didn't handle very well, but it was a, it was a really fast bike. I could pull shot from pretty much anywhere. Okay. Um, but I rode that for a little bit. I, I actually beat Deegan a couple times on it and then I got her. And that's when I signed with uh, Suzuki. I rode their 85 for a couple years. And I think that, honestly, is one thing that it puts put me where I am. is because that thing was so slow. And, uh, and and it took a lot to make one of those things fast, especially with how developed the uh, the KTMs are and right. the, the Huskies. And those things are so ridiculous now in, in the Super Mini class. So... Um, I think that was a big part of my development, um, especially riding that thing in Supercross. I rode uh, Futures on it, um, so that was that was definitely one of my. I, I actually enjoyed riding that bike just because of how hard it made you work almost. Um, and then I rode right after that. I got on big bikes. I only spent a little bit of time on. I spent like maybe a couple months on a Super Mini, and then I got too big for it. So I went on to the Suzuki two fifty. And I rode that for maybe six months before I got on the Husky. Uh, then I rode that for a little bit. I think I was with JMC for a year. Uh, I won Loretta's with them. But it's funny because I won that championship without winning. I didn't win a moto uh, on my own. I won one because I technically got the moto win because uh, Jorgensen got disqualified. But okay, technically didn't. So... Interesting. I take that as yeah. no. I Maddie get Jorgensen, DQ, DQ, DNF. Yeah, I, I'll take that as I didn't win the moto. I just got gifted it. Um, yeah. And then I felt pretty good actually going into to Loretta's last year on the EBR bike. Um, but just too many mistakes. I had good speed, but I was on my head too much. Um, so that was something that I just, I didn't. I could go fast, but it wasn't for long and it two laps and I was on my head going that pace. So, um, that was something uh, I had DNF to learn four, four, and try to figure out. overall, big guy. <laughs> huh? I said, uh, DNF four, four still adds up to 13th overall. Oh yeah. Hey, I, I think I got, uh, fourth, fourth overall this year with a one seventeen one. I almost posted. I didn't notice something. that. Yeah. Yeah, your your results were a little bit all over the place for uh for the the twenty twenty two season. So like dialing things back a little bit, twenty eighteen they bring out this thing called Supercross Future. Anaheim two is the first time that I saw you at all. Uh and same time that was the first time Daniel Blair ever saw you. And yeah, making the Suzuki absolutely sing, uh battling with kids like Ryder D. Uh what do you remember from those days and like is that sort of the the beginning of sort of taking you to where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think that's definitely the beginning in Supercross because I feel like with Supercross you have to start at such a young age to develop the the timing and and the whoops and whatnot. So I think that's one thing. Obviously, you can't hit whoops too good until you're on big bikes, but um, the develop the development of timing, precision, having to be smart, smooth. I think that was a big thing for me was those futures races on 85s. 
especially on the Suzuki, trying to make that thing work in Supercross. Um, but definitely, I, I think I, I got, I won one of the futures, super, the super mini main events at A2 that night. And then I won Phoenix, I believe I won the futures class there as well. Um, so I, I like the way those futures rounds work, but I, I also like the way it is now way more. Uh, we get a race in the night show. Um, it takes away a little bit for the younger kids wanting to get, wanting to get into Supercross more. But I think for the development of of the guys moving up and in, into the pros with in the coming years, it's a, a very good thing that they're putting the the futures during the night show, uh, same night as the pros, so we get full track. Um, everything's the same as what the pros are racing. No doubt, and for for you, it, this last year was uh, pretty pretty much a whirlwind. Like you, uh, like first futures race where you were on a Yamaha. The next time we saw you were on a, a KTM, thanks to Daniel Blair and the whole Orange Brigade program. Um, yeah, take us through that process a little bit um, from that very first race onward. That like you were kind of uh, a name amongst names that uh, um, was making some noise in in the sport and just in the amateur ranks in general um that earned you a spot and uh and clearly uh and now a, a contract to go through your at least first two years um in professional racing uh yeah it's actually funny because uh after loretta's 2022 i did i had some good motos um and me and blair got in, in talks right after that and we were talking for maybe three months four months nothing really ever happened i went to many O's. Uh, I rode really good there until I crashed with Janik. Um, and Star called – They Star actually called me that morning before I crashed and asked if I could come to the truck. I went. I crashed. I still went to the truck after the moto. Uh, had a meeting with them, and then I went and rode their bike the week after. Um, I rode their bike. Nothing really much came from that. Um, I had a chance to stay with EBR that year, all, all year this year. Um, but I told me and my dad both agreed that it'd be better if, if I just stayed privateer on my own and, and hope something would come up. Um, and then I started working with Davey January 1st. Um, it was funny. We were at a, a practice. We were at the dairy farm in, uh, in Cali. And Davey had seen me a little bit before, but nothing much. And we were at dairy. And I don't Dean, I think, or no, Sexton showed up and jumped this massive quad. And... Davey came up to me and he's like, if anyone on a 250 is going to jump it, it's going to be you. And I did like two laps. I looked at it and I jumped it. And then uh, he talked to me after it and he was like, the more you do that stuff and, and no one else does it on a 250 is you, you'll get people's heads and, and they'll wonder how you're doing that stuff. And uh, I think I called him the next week. Uh, we had a meeting at Havasu and then I started working with him the week after. And that was definitely one of the the biggest reason I'm where I'm at right now. Um, no doubt. Davey, That's awesome. Davey took me to a whole new level. Um, I start, When I started with him, I could do one and a half fast laps and I was toast. Um, one month with him, I was able to do a futures main somewhat consistently um, after a full month on the program. And then by the third round, I was 100% uh, fit, ready to go for Glendale in, in the last three rounds. Um, so I think being with Davey was 
a huge part of where I was. Um, Anaheim, really good qualifying. I was actually blown away by that. I came in, no pressure, nothing, wasn't expecting it at all. Um, when I rode at Star two months before, I was three seconds off Deegan, absolutely getting smoked. Um, and I showed up there and I was fast as qualifier. Um, main event didn't go how we wanted. I destroyed my bars on the triple lap one. Um, so that kind of sucked, but I was happy with either way. I was happy with my day. I actually, uh, I had an offer for it to go with star that night. Um, no way. To go. I, I had an offer to be on the same deal that Bennett was on the, uh, um, pretty much like a six month trial. And then we'll see what happens after that. Um, and then I had my KTM deal that I had gotten called that I, I had a couple days to accept the star offer, but I talked to KTM and they're like, well, don't sign anything yet. We want to, we want to try and make something happen. Um, and I, I got talks with Daniel, uh, Ian, Carlos, uh, the whole team over there. And we made that deal happen in, in pretty much less than a week. Um, so I can't thank them enough. Everything was super quick. Um, got me right on the bike. Um, and I can't thank them enough. It's, it's crazy how it happened from being in talks with Daniel back in, in September, October, um, and nothing really happening to, to being pretty much a late signing uh, already already at the start of the year. Uh, it was pretty crazy, but I can't thank them enough for that. No kidding. Yeah, they 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 struck while the iron was hot. You were uh, kind of coming up through the ranks real quickly, and obviously making some huge transitions uh, from month to month. Um, having a guy like Davy Millsaps, who on a skill side of things is maybe one of the most underrated racers of the the two thousands, even into the twenty tens, even throughout the twenty tens. Um, like bike skill, like nobody else's business. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some, some, there's some years where he, he wanted a little bit more fitness to be able to, uh, show that off a little bit more. Um, but I never even thought of the connection between KTM, uh, Davey and now Carlos, because like, like Carlos has to have Davey Millsap stories all the way back to him being on like 85. Like that is, that is absolute gold. Like that's got to be comedic, absolute gold every single weekend with with Davey and Carlos, and yeah, they they've got way too many stories together, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Carlos still like uh, we were flying, I think, to New Jersey, and I'm it, me and Carlos are both on the plane, and Carlos is texting me videos uh, of him and Davey from back when Honda days, uh, Suzuki Makita Suzuki days, Rockstar Suzuki days. It was he, he still sends me videos of them back then. That's it's amazing. so funny to, to, to hear the stories. And even on the weekends, uh Carlos, Davey, they all get everyone cracks jokes, messes around. It it's their relationship relationship's really cool. Um so so that's definitely uh a very nice thing to happen in the pits. A lot of positivity, a lot of a lot of messing around. So uh it's good to have that. Certainly, like for for everything that Davy Millsaps was able to achieve in his career, I I seriously think there could have been a lot more there. Uh, obviously, he had some pretty uh, stiff competition in throughout that time as well. Um, but I, I think anyone would say that there 
there there could have been a lot more success than there was and he had an amazing career um like what like as far as he's, he's like lighthearted guy great sense of humor i've gotten to speak with him more than a few times um but like when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of racing and how to go fast on a motorcycle um honestly i, I don't know if there's a person that could be better suited to have like a real conversation with you about like what the brass tacks of actually just getting down to the business and being successful on a dirt bike. Um, he, he certainly has the recipe. Yeah, for sure. Even, even Davey, he tells me all the time, he goes, I would have been, I would have had a much more successful career if I would have done the work. I was, I was lazy. I didn't, I didn't do the work and it, it shows in, in, in the books, it shows that I didn't do the work. And after, I think after my moto, I got 17th at Loretta's We he, he had a talk with me and he said, this is when we're going to see what you can do. You can either there, there's one option. You can be like me and, and look at it and give up on it. Or you can go out there and show them what you're made of. And, uh, and he told me, he told me that he doesn't want to see me end up, end up like what he, how he was. Um, he doesn't want to see me give up on it. And I went out and I, I made it, I won that next moto. Um, so me and him have definitely have a good relationship. Um, and I can't thank him enough. He's, he's brutally honest with me about everything, whether I absolutely suck. Um, if I'm right, he, he can pretty much see anything with me. So, um, I, I, our relationship, our relationship's really good. And he, and he definitely gets the best out of me every day. That is super cool, cool to hear of, man. Especially the fact that you've only been working together for seven, eight months now. Um, awesome. Well, what's uh, what's on the the horizon for you moving forward? Through uh, like, are are you going? Like, you're from full blown pro now, or you're not going back to futures during the SMX thing, are you? No, no, that's not the plan. Um, I don't think okay. we're going to go back that's to fine. race those futures. I don't think we're going to go back and race those futures rounds. Um, I'm going to race Ironman and then uh, I'm going to get right on Supercross and uh, start getting for getting ready for uh 2024 uh Supercross season. Okay, fair enough. Last question I have for you here on the Verb Moto broadcast is uh there's a lot of talk going around that Juju is uh more of a a, a Supercross guy than a motocross guy. Uh, I'm sure everyone's got uh, strengths and weaknesses. How do you feel about that narrative being put out there and uh what do you do to prove people wrong or are you just going to prove people right and go win some supercross races? Um, yeah, I've always, I've always heard the, uh, Juju's better in supercross. He's not that good in outdoors. Um, I think I proved some people a little wrong this weekend at, at Bud's Creek. Um, but definitely I, I prefer supercross over outdoors. I'll say it on my own. Uh, I, I like supercross more than I like outdoors. Um, but both, both are the same. Both we got to race both, so got to make the best out of both of them and uh, and and put everything into both. Fair enough. Where does where does the juju thing coming from? Is that just like a nickname from your old man, or what's the deal? Yeah, yeah. My parents gave it to me when I was when I was a baby, so pretty much just just runs in it. Okay, fair enough. And like like there's like the the last name like i'm 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 canadian so like we have two two official languages one of them happened to be french and when i heard that your old man was french i'm like there's no way it's bomber there's not like it can't be that's just not how they pronounce things over there um 
Like I probably put more of a like a rolled R on the end of it, but Bonaire is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Juju Bonaire, I love it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for making time for the Verb Moto Pod Network. This will be out. Uh, we got to nail down uh, that trainer of yours for one of these. Uh, go through his career. Uh, I'm sure he loves talking about it. Um, but this was fun. I really appreciate you making the time, man. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Dude, that's awesome. Do not hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, let's cut things off right there. Ah, I got to apologize about the audio quality on that particular podcast. Something going on with my microphone, or uh, maybe it was the wrong microphone that was selected when we did the recording. Uh, yeah, so my bad, guys. Hopefully you were able to get through that one. Uh, Juju sounded a lot clearer than I did. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you enter the Grom Quest. And as always, thanks for listening.